Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 167, Human Capital Moneyball, a new way to value the financial impact of employees. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And sitting right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. It's great to join you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of game-changing innovation, growth, and success. Now, Pam, we're looking ahead to 2020, and many top leadership teams are facing a paradox. On one hand, they recognize that they are dependent, as we all are, upon the right talent or human capital to drive business growth, whether it's organic or acquisition, however it happens. Yet, as everyone intuitively recognizes how valuable employees are, it has frequently been difficult to actually quantify their financial impact. That's right. And this paradox has led to many debates in C-suites and boardrooms about whether initiatives that improve human capital management are a nice to do or a must do. Yeah. Of course, we strongly believe that initiatives that improve management of human capital are a must-do, provided that it's done in a way that indicates which initiatives will be most likely to positively impact the outcomes that a company needs. That's right. And now it's getting easier to do that because there is a research-based approach that actually helps quantify the financial impact of employees. And our guest today is going to share this with us. She is Dr. Solange Charas, founder and CEO of HC Moneyball, which provides human capital analytics for use in quantifying and optimizing the return on human capital investments. HC Moneyball is her brainchild, resulting from 25 years of providing human capital analytics to her C-suite clients to quantify and optimize their ROI on human capital investments and ultimately to align human resource programs with business strategy. She currently serves as an adjunct professor in the MBA programs at Columbia, USC, and NYU, and is a distinguished principal research fellow at the conference board. Solange also works with the investing community, pre- and post-acquisition and investment, to understand the drivers of economic value creation attributed to human capital and to understand the inherent value of the people side of the target. She's been published or cited in Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Fast Company, and Business Week. And you can read much more about Solange's experience, education, media appearances, and publications by going to Growth Igniters Radio, Episode 167. Solange, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Hi, Pam and Scott. I'm so delighted to be spending some time with you today. So let's start out at a very high level. How would you describe HC Moneyball? Well, I think HC Moneyball is actually two things. The first, it's a philosophy about how to use data and data analytics to enhance or optimize management decision about human capital investments and how to 
really optimize employees, employee engagement, employee productivity, all things that really impact bottom line performance. The second thing is HC Moneyball is actually a product. It's a product that we've created. It's a SaaS platform that companies can um, subscribe to. They get the benefit of a technology where they basically just upload existing human capital and financial data into the platform. And it instantly transforms the data into metrics and ratios that the user can drag and drop into graphs so that they can visually understand the relationship between people and human capital performance and financial performance. This is exactly what we were talking about, which is quantifying the financial contribution of employees. So what led you to research and develop this very unique approach? Well, I like to say, or I hope to say one day, that I was a 25-year overnight success. Um, (laughs) I've actually been applying an analytics approach to my human capital consulting. I mean, we haven't called it human capital. We call it human resources consulting. But I've been working in the space for uh, uh, over 25 years. And the concepts of quantifying human capital has been around for that long. In fact, it It was at Arthur Anderson with a team of people that um, I respected greatly. Um, We came up with this idea of applying a rigor that's used in accounting and finance to the area of human capital. And we actually wrote a book about it called Delivering on the Promise. So the, the idea is really been around for more than 25 years And it's the way that I approach all of my consulting uh, assignments with clients is to bring this data analytics, this rigor of moving from I believe to I can prove to my clients around enhancing their management of human capital in the organization. That's terrific. And of course, Moneyball reminds us of uh, Michael Lewis's book about how the Oakland Athletics supplied analytics to baseball. So you're obviously drawing a parallel there. Absolutely. Now, why should top leadership teams care about this approach, especially when we're looking forward to 2020 and beyond? I think there are three big reasons why leadership should care about this. And when I talk about leadership, I don't necessarily mean um, you know, just mid or senior level management. I think that boards should also be thinking about this as a government issue. Oh, absolutely. Issue. Absolutely. When we talk about top leadership, just to, to be clear here, we're always talking about boards as well as C-suite. Yeah. Uh, and they should be on the same page. Right. Right. Yeah. You would hope. Yeah. Um, so the, the three, the three big reasons are, uh, transparency and disclosure. Uh, and I can get into more detail if you want, but this transparency and disclosure and alignment to the new purpose of the corporation that was defined by the business roundtable. And the third is the world is changing really quickly. And if we're not understanding our single largest line item expense or our biggest asset, how are we possibly going to be agile and flexible uh, in our organizations in a very quickly changing world? I agree with you there, uh, especially when you're talking about 
the fact that more and more companies consist of knowledge workers. Wow. So Absolutely. human capital becomes extremely important there. Now, you, you mentioned something about transparency. Yeah. So there are a bunch of governance uh, oriented uh, agencies uh, like the SEC. Let's take them, for example, and ISO, the International Standards Organization. Right. And there are about 12 to 15 governance-related organizations that have been turning their attention to understanding how human capital or how, you know, people in the organization are actually impacting corporate financial performance. And all these organizations uh, are basically aligned in their belief, their emerging belief, that human capital is now material. It, it has a material impact to the organization. 100%. Yeah. So as we understand that human capital investments and the way human capital performs it has a material impact, the SEC specifically is asking for more transparency and more disclosures about human capital in the organization. Mm -hmm. So makes sense. The interesting thing is right now, the only thing that public companies have to disclose in any of their filings with the SEC is the total number of employees in the organization. That's it. What's your headcount? And for the investing community, it's not sufficient to understand just how many people work in the company, we need to understand how those people are performing. And so there's this call now for disclosure around human capital performance. So the ISO, the International Standards Organization, earlier this year released a new standard, and the standard number is 30414. And I think the, the title of that standard is Human Capital Governance Disclosure. Don't quote me on that, but it's something like that. <laughs> okay. And they've actually set down the algorithms for calculating human capital performance in the organization. And the nice thing is, is that ISO didn't actually make these up. They've looked at 40 years of research mm -hmm. to come up with what has been studied and has been shown to be correlated to corporate financial performance. So they basically codified these algorithms to help organizations understand how well they are performing around the human capital area. And it goes from high level, like financial impact, all the way down to operating um, efficiencies, like mm, safety, right? Mm -hmm. How safe is yeah, your organization? Right. Um, things like diversity, how diverse is your organization? attrition and retention. So they've actually codified some of these measures that the investors want to know about. Because if you have high attrition, right, high turnover, that's very expensive. If you have low safety performance, that's very expensive. And all of these things help to inform investors whether or not your company can achieve corporate financial performance, not just today, but sustainable. Sustainability is the new sort of watchword uh, in, the, right. in the corporate world. Absolutely. Now, Solange, just to clarify, because we have many listeners who head up private companies, this is important whether or not you're a public company is important for private companies too. I just want to emphasize that, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because this is a governance issue. 
This right. is how right. well is the corporation being managed. And okay. these are indicators. So if you sit in the boardroom, right, and you have board meetings, you will spend a lot of time going through the financials of the organization almost on a line-by-line basis. Mm-hmm. And we spend in the boardroom, having been a public company board member, I know this. We spend a lot of time just going details through the financial statements of the organization and looking at performance against expectation, performance against budget. And we look at every input into the business model except for the people issue. And that's exactly. where we we kind of fall down. And we mm-hmm. don't look at productivity and we don't look at attrition and we don't look at mobility and we don't look at time to fill. Jo- I mean, basic metrics that have a material impact on the company. Right. So Lange, this is really a game changer. And so it does make a lot of sense. Before we go to break, I want to ask about what are ways that a top leadership team could use HC Moneyball as they're leading for their company's growth. Due diligence is a piece of this as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And due diligence has typically been associated with a transaction, you know, a merger right. and acquisition. Um, but I would like to propose or just suggest that due diligence doesn't necessarily have to be associated with a transaction. It is a good audit function, especially if we want to create some baseline measures for existing organizations. You can, you can do a due diligence because it's due diligence is really assessing risk. And, and why wouldn't we want to assess the risk associated with our human capital um, as a way of understanding or creating a roadmap for for moving forward. So um, there are lots of ways that a leadership team can use HC Moneyball. If they don't want to use my platform, they can certainly adopt some of the discipline or the rigor around it. And the fundamental idea is enhance your understanding. Um, That's right. And um, one of my my bugaboos, and I grew up in the era of best practice. Um, I was at Arthur Anderson when best practices were actually sort of emerging. And Arthur Anderson created this entire database of corporate best practices. And I've moved away from the concept of best practice because what works for one company might not necessarily work for another. Exactly. Yeah, we've certainly seen that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I like to think about it as best evidence. What okay. evidence do I have within my organization that's helping me make the best decisions for all the constituents now that are part of the business roundtable? My customers, my employees, my vendors, my community, and of course, my shareholder. We're singing from the same song. Absolutely. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dig deeper with Dr. Solange Charas, founder and CEO of HC Moneyball, into HC Moneyball and emerging trends in due diligence. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We focus on enabling visionary leaders to ignite, sustain, and boost momentum for game-changing results. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. To everyone listening, welcome. We're glad you joined us, whether it's because you're a subscriber or you've just found us wherever you pick up your podcasts. But there is a special reason to visit growthignitersradio.com. 
This is the only way you can access all of the previous podcast episodes from the past five years. It's also the only place you can find unique show notes, bios, and resource links specifically related to each of our podcasts. We feature award-winning CEOs, thought leaders, and best-selling authors. You can explore more by going to growthignitersradio.com today. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today we've been speaking with Dr. Solange Charas, founder and CEO of HC Moneyball, about human capital Moneyball and new ways to establish the value and ROI of human capital. Solange, how can people find out more about your company and you? Well, they can visit our website at hcmoneyball.com. And if they're interested in learning more about the, how the uh, approach and the solution can help them, they can click on the link and make an appointment and speak to any one of the number of people that are helping us promote this concept in the marketplace. That's great. And you can see Solange's full bio and other resources for this conversation by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 167. So let's get back to our conversation. We were talking about the importance of this approach and what types of HR programs have you found to have a measurable impact on corporate financial outcomes? Uh, I'm so happy you asked. Uh, it's my personal observation and not coincidentally supported by about 40 years of academic research that um, there are three big chunky areas that link um, HR to corporate financial outcomes. These three areas have actually been really well documented in literature. Probably the best summary article is from two researchers at Harvard named Bieferman and Bernstein. Great names, right? And they did what's called a meta-analysis where they looked at a whole bunch of research over the 40 years to see how other researchers have concluded this relationship. And in fact, what they've concluded is that HR is material. It does have a material impact. You know, this is not a surprise to us. We know this yeah. intuitively. Right. right. But they've actually been able to find enough evidence in other people's research to make that conclusion. Mm-hmm. The three big areas that they talk about, that they looked at, the first one is work systems, and that makes sense. So what are your policies and what are your practices around the way that you treat people? And some of the things that we can look at there is tenure, employee engagement, employee involvement in decisions. Um, and this is really all about the employee experience and what are organizations doing to enhance that employee experience. And that becomes a little tricky when we have a lot of changes in the demographics so, for example, I'm a baby boomer. And when I started working, I had a different point of view about what my relationship should be like with my employer. And back then in the, I don't want to age myself too much, but in the 80s and 90s, um, it was really a contract. An employer would pay me to do a job. I would do that job. And if I did it well, they'd give me a bonus and they'd right. give me a promotion. And mm-hmm. from time to time, they would invest, you know, training and development in me. And it was really a contract. You pay me to do a job. But with the millennials now comprising almost 54% of the workforce, they have a different point of view about the employer-employee relationship. 
And we, in terms of management and governance, need to really understand what will engage the employee in that demographic group. And what's interesting is that the millennials are very socially oriented and they believe in social good and they believe in having purpose and impact. And I think that that's why we're seeing organizations like the SEC and ISO and the Business Roundtable really adopt this concept of environmental social governance, ERG, mm-hmm. and corporate social responsibility, CR, uh, CSR. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think it's really driven because of this workforce focus that employees really want to feel that their work has purpose and has an impact. And yes. now the organization is sort of coming around to that. And we're seeing employee activists on the rise. Like just this morning was a news item about a group of employees at Facebook that are pushing back on Facebook's policy to not vet or check the reliability or the accuracy of these political ads. And a group of employees from the inside are saying, that's not right. We have to make a difference and make sure that we're not lying. And I think 10 years ago, we wouldn't have seen employee activism. Not the same same way. way. I would say that over the years that I've been working with employee groups, people have cared about purpose, even boomers and older people than that. But it's different in terms of the way you're talking about it. Everybody didn't just rise up and take an action. (laughs) That is different. One of the things I wanted to ask, you know, engagement is a fuzzy word. That has been something that a lot of people dispute. And one person says, well, engagement means this. And it's very hard. HC Moneyball actually defines this, right? Well, that's a very interesting question. So the one thing that HC Moneyball doesn't do is employee surveys. Uh Our philosophy is we don't want to disrupt the organization. We don't want to create any event in the organization that's going to take employees' eyes off the ball or management's eyes off the ball. Mm -hmm. And what And what we believe is that we can measure engagement through things that we can observe instead of asking people to give their us their opinion about. All right. So what would be just one example? I agree with you 100% that people can say anything. What can you observe that you can turn into a, a projection of value? Exactly. So what we can observe is attrition, people leaving the organization. And sometimes people leave at certain times of the year or they leave certain managers at a Mm -hmm. higher rate than others. So we can understand, you know, what the driver of attrition is. We can look at retention, the tenure of employees. That's an indication of whether or not they're engaged, right? Especially like during the recession, people weren't leaving their companies because they couldn't find a new job. But in today's economy, people can find jobs. In fact, the Bureau of Labor Statistics just issued some information about um, the fact that for the first time in decades, there are actually more jobs than workers in the economy. So I think it's at every level of the economy, both at the knowledge worker, sophisticated level, and also at the you know retail side, where people can find jobs working in coffee shops or working in retail. So for the first time in decades, we actually have more jobs than workers in the economy to take them. So 
you don't stay in a company that you don't like, that you don't feel engaged because you're afraid of not finding a job. And in fact, Gallup does polls every year and they find that, you know, 60% of employees feel that they're not engaged. That's just a statistic. And, and that's an we, opinion too. And that's yeah. an opinion. How do we measure that in the organization? Right. That's Again. true. Um, also, just clarifying, uh, Solange, because we have a global listenership, some of the things we're talking about, you know, full economy, full employment, all of that, right. that HC Moneyball could be applied really anywhere in the world, correct? Anywhere. Anywhere yeah. in the world. Anywhere that there are employees, we can measure their impact and we can measure the efficiencies and the effectiveness of human capital programs through HC Moneyball. Okay. So building on that, uh, Solange, uh, let's uh, shift gears just a little bit and talk about how this approach can be applied to valuing a company, say an acquisition target or you know, you're doing M&A. Uh, how can leadership teams use HC Moneyball to assess what a potential target or partner uh, is doing in terms of their HR programs to affect operating efficiencies, for instance? So this is a really interesting area. Uh, so the traditional human resources due diligence doesn't really fully capture the intangible of human capital. Right. A traditional approach really looks at the level of cost or expense associated with HR programs, and then it sort of ties it back to the accounting uh, discipline, right? Yeah. So somebody will say, oh, we spend $3 million on payroll. And then somebody will say, oh, yeah, that ticks back to our payroll. But it doesn't tell you anything about the health of the human capital. Yeah. I like to think of it as the traditional approach is like a balance sheet. You just basically yep. take a snapshot in time of the organization. And what we like to do um, using an HC Moneyball approach is to actually look at the health of the human capital of the organization like an income statement, right? Your sources and uses of human capital to create financial outcomes. Typically, the focus of a due diligence of a financial due diligence is what they call Q of E or quality of earnings. You right. want to understand whether or not a company that you're buying has healthy earnings. Right. And what we, what we do with HC Moneyball is we actually look at the Q of EE, the Q quality of the employees that you're buying. Yep. And we look at human capital performance over time and we relate that to the corporate financial performance over time. So we calculate things like human capital ROI. Are you getting a positive return on investment on every dollar that you spend on employees? And does that trend upward? Are you getting a higher return on uh, return on investment in human capital over time? We look at productivity over time. We look at retention and attrition over time. We look at diversity and management stability. And most importantly, we benchmark this to a proxy of like or competitor companies so that the acquirer can say, oh, we have good human capital, but is it competitive to others in the marketplace? So we we do two things. We look at it internally, and then we look at it comparatively. So what do you do then if a company is, quote, unique? You know, there are companies out there yeah. uh, that are startups that are 
say the next Facebook or whatever. You know, they, they didn't exist before, but there are a lot of companies that are buying technology related companies. And they have human capital. Yeah. But there's not necessarily a long track record. Could you still uh, do it? Yeah, absolutely. Cause what we're doing for startup companies is we're actually looking at their three year financial projection uh. and we're helping companies understand whether or not the human capital that they plan for, that they either have today as a startup or that they plan for in their growth is sufficient to support a sustainable corporate financial expectation. Building on this, I understand that HC Moneyball could also help you with post-acquisition integration strategy, right? Exactly. It's funny that you ask because just this last week, I was on a panel at the ACG M&A East Conference in Philadelphia, and it was specifically on this topic of the first 100 days post-acquisition. Mm-hmm. And what I found interesting was uh, I was on a panel with financial transactors, partners and PE firms and transaction advisory support people, you know, professionals in this area. We had PE people who were investors and the transaction advisory support person that was on the panel was focused solely on systems integration, right? So Mm -hmm. all systems in the organization. And all they talked about was human capital. That's all they were interested in in the first 100 days is how do we get people focused, on board, integrated? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Of course. Huge impact. Huge impact. And what I found was uh, equally amusing is that they were doing it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> okay. Oh, and, well, they didn't know about you. Well, they did. Well, now <laughs> they do. So right. I really dedicated HR professional on the panel. And I wasn't talking about doing HR the way they do it, because they do it at a very subjective level. And I said, I don't do it at a subjective level. I gather a lot of data. I use data rigor. I use, let the evidence tell me what's what. And then I help plan, you know, the first hundred days based on analytics, on data analytics. And the long and the short of it is, is yes, there's a value in using subjective evaluation and using judgment and experience to really contextualize what you're seeing in an organization but it needs to be backed up with data because everyone has an opinion, but your opinions are valid when they're proven out by the data that that's there. And to make an organization or to make an acquisition successful, we really do need to focus on the first 100 days because what happens is people get distracted and their productivity dips. And the idea is to shorten the productivity trough as much as possible. And we need to address the three questions that most employees have in either the company that's being acquired or the company where the integration, where the company, the target company is being integrated into, which is, do I have a job? Who's going to be my boss? And how are things going to change around here? And using data analytics to inform a strategy and a plan of action for the first 100 days helps address those questions gets people back to work faster, right? And the first 100 days as the panel would, you know, was very adamant in saying is really critical in the future success of that acquisition. Because if you can't get the first 100 days right, you lose all momentum. Yeah, absolutely. 
And the and the more that the analytics uh, and the subjective judgment and experience jive, the more you know you're on the right track or not. Yes, exactly. Well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Scott and I will speak more with Dr. Solange Charas, founder and CEO of HC Moneyball, about criteria a top leadership team, maybe yours, can use to decide if HC Moneyball is right for you. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. We've been talking about the critical impact of human capital management upon top and bottom line business today. With human interactions and behavior playing an ever greater role in company performance, it's more important than ever to ensure that all the moving parts of the organization come together for greatest value. That's why we've created our special assessment, Five Questions to Ask When You Need to Move Even Faster. It's a perfect perspective builder for fast-moving C-suite leaders who need to meet current commitments and move fast enough to respond to new opportunities as well. Our questionnaire will help you find out where to begin to focus your energy and resources so that what should be happening really is happening as fast as it has to happen. We've developed these questions based on our work with fast growth clients in over 30 industries. We've helped them scale faster, make innovation happen faster, and more quickly respond to new opportunities. This has generated millions of dollars in top and bottom line growth. Now you can have this resource free just for joining our Growth Igniters community. So go today to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 167, scroll down to resources and click the link, download five questions to ask when you need to move even faster. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Dr. Solange Charas about human capital moneyball and new ways to establish the value and ROI of human capital. Solange, remind us again how people can find out about your company and you. They can go to www.hcmoneyball.com. And there will be able to find lots of information about HC Moneyball and what we're doing. And uh, they can click on an appointment setting interface, create an appointment, or just call us. We've got a business number that's listed there. And uh, we'd be happy to speak to anybody that wants to learn more about the solution. And also remember that you can see Solange's full bio and uh, more about her background and other resources for this conversation by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 167, and scroll down under resources. So Solange, let's talk about immediately useful next steps in this case having to do with how leaders can adapt the concepts of HC Moneyball to their own companies. The question on a lot of leadership teams' minds at this point might be, could this be right for us? What would be criteria that a leadership team could discuss? What would be the first one? Uh, probably the first and maybe the most important is, do you want to improve your corporate financial performance? So if okay. you're interested in, if you're interested in improving your bottom line, you need to really understand how human capital, since it is material, 
is impacting your corporate financial performance. Okay. So what's another criteria that a company could look at to say, yeah, we, we could benefit from this approach? Um, I think, um, if an organization has at least a hundred employees, it's an opportunity for them to optimize their investment in human capital. Mm -hmm. We use 100 employees sort of as a rule of thumb because this is a data-driven solution. And if you have fewer than 100 employees, the reliability of the analytics begins to deteriorate a little bit because everybody knows, you know, the bigger the end, the more reliable the, the analytics. Yeah, you you lose statistical power if you go too small, right? Exactly, exactly. And we want the system to help management make informed decisions. So it's really important for us that the data that they see in the platform is reliable. The other sort of rule of thumb is if your HR-oriented expense, that's comp and benefits, and anything that has to do with people, training and development, recruitment, anything that's that you spend on people is 50% or more of your total expense, then this is an opportunity to enhance the effectiveness of your human capital investment because small incremental improvements in productivity or HCROI or HC value add have very big impact on bottom line performance because it is so leveraged. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about a third criteria, Solange? Um, I think probably the third criteria, and I don't think we we talked about this, but the the platform is actually geared for um, a CFO or a financial analyst. We think that the way the platform works is very beneficial to them. We're moving now into the human resources market, talking to heads of HR. But I think the third criteria would be if you want to know how your performance compares to competitors or public companies or segments of the public company market used as a proxy for your organization or your industry, both at the financial level, like looking at revenue, income, expense, uh, EBITDA, you know, any of the financial ROS, ROA, ROE. If you're a financial person and you're not benchmarking, this platform will help you benchmark against those financial indicators in addition to helping you benchmark your human capital performance. So we'll look at HC uh, value add, HC ROI amongst your competitor group to give you, you know, some to help you contextualize how your performance compares to the outside world. And it happens right in the platform, right there, drag and drops. You, you know, pick your competitor group, you know, you customize your, your benchmark segment and it, it gets, um, pulled right into the visual representations of your performance. So. So very easy to use in that way. Absolutely. Most, um, mid-size, small size companies don't want to spend the money to benchmark. They know it's important, but it's very expensive. And in our solution, because we, can leverage one data set, which is the entire public company data, we can provide that at an extremely reasonable price because, you know, we buy it once and then we give access to our clients. You know, we leverage it, in other words. Mm-hmm. So now you're going beyond feeling to and, and guessing and saying, I think this is working too. Hey, we have data. 
we can benchmark it against our competitors. It gives us a much stronger position to move forward, to make decisions, and maybe make changes if we have to. And especially what I'm hearing and what I saw in uh, some of your demonstrations is that you can focus in on exactly where those investments really are paying off and what you could do, what you can do as a team, as a company, as a leadership team to work across the company to improve the efficiencies, but even more the effectiveness. Absolutely. Our fundamental philosophy is we take data and we turn it into information. It's hard to make decisions on data, but it's a lot easier to make decisions when you have information. And that's what the platform essentially does is it transforms data into something that CFOs, CEOs, board, you know, board directors, CHROs can actually use to inform decisions. That's great. Well, Solange, we're at the end of our episode here. Any uh, final thoughts you'd like to leave us with regarding HC Moneyball and the importance of human capital management? You know, this is 25 years in the making. I'm hoping that the time is right. And with uh, the SEC, ISO, the Business Roundtable, focus on uh, ESG, CSR, activists, both at the employee and the shareholder level, it's time that we shine a light on human capital and the impact, the material impact of human capital. And we're ready. We've got the technology. We've got the mindset. We've got the, you know, ex- external forces making us pay attention to this. And hopefully, as I said, I'll be a 25-year overnight success with this tool and this market offering. I think so. Well, Solange, thanks again for being our guest today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thanks, Solange. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To get show notes and resource links for this week's episode, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 167. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your top leadership team. What are the most effective ways for our company to improve our human capital management systems and programs so that we can maximize the financial value of our employees? 